Welcome to the Startup Creative Podcast. I'm your host, Kayleen Langford, founder of Startup Creative, your go-to source for straight-up business advice. Hi guys and welcome back to the Startup Creative Podcast. I'm your host, Kayleen Langford. And on today's episode, we have a familiar face or voice and friend of Startup Creative, and her name is Jess. She runs Calabasaurus. If you've been following us for any amount of time, then you probably know that we are always doing things together. And there's two things that I love about this. One, it's such a beautiful example in my life of amazing, powerful women who are out to collaborate and to help each other grow rather than compete and bring each other down. So it's always beautiful to have Jess on the show or be working with her in any way, shape or form because we really have been there for each other from the beginning. So it's for me always a nice little reminder of how supported and held I am in my business and how many inspiring women are around me. So Jess is the queen of collaborations. She obviously runs Collabosaurus and she is going to give us a bit of a masterclass. So obviously as a business coach, I have done a lot of collaboration marketing in my own business. In fact, it's been one of the quickest, fastest ways to grow my business. And as a result, I teach that to a lot of my coaching clients. And we do spend a lot of time figuring out who is the best collaboration and how do you go about that to actually make it work and get an outcome. So Today's episode, I, I actually reached out to Jess last year and said, look, I'm, I'm coaching collaborations over and over again. And for me, once I, I see that pattern, I go, okay, if, if I'm needing help with it or my clients are needing help with it, chances are our bigger audience needs help with it as well. So let's create a free masterclass, go to listen for anyone who's thinking about it or needing support in to get it off the ground, a collaboration off the ground, or just wants to understand it better and see if it's a right fit for their business. So I quizzed Jess and she gave us, you know, the do's and don'ts, how it's worked, some good examples, um, and also we went through some, you know, how-to pitches and like just as everything we could think of to give to you guys to help make it uh, work for you and, and something that you feel like you could get a little coaching session on and start to take action on by yourself. So hopefully it's really helpful. Look forward to hearing what you think. If you've got a collaboration underway or it sparks something for you, then um, yeah, let us know. Tag us on social media. And also just finally, a big thank you to everyone who's been leaving reviews and ratings on iTunes since the last episode went live. It's been beautiful seeing your efforts to come and and to leave those reviews and thank you. I know that iTunes doesn't always make it easy, but I do appreciate it. Have a great day and enjoy the episode. Welcome to the podcast, Jess. It's been a while. Hi. It's so nice to be back. I love this podcast. <laughs> Last time we did this, we were sitting in um, an apartment in Melbourne. We were, and that was before the world turned to shit. <laughs> I know. A lot has happened since then. <laughs> no, so much has happened. But luckily we are, I mean, what is time really? But we're in a new year and new exciting <laughs> things are happening. We're just talking off off um, line about some amazing things, which I'm excited for you to launch soon. 
Yes, lots of things have kind of locked down initially last year in March. It kicked off a couple of um, sort of forced changes in the business, which are now coming to um, getting ready to launch really in the next month, which is exciting. So, yeah. Stay tuned for that. No no little exclusive slips here. <laughs> what, what we can expect. <laughs> I really well, want to bait you into be. saying something, but I, <laughs> I will be polite. <laughs> I'm sure I'll slip up at some point throughout this interview and share. Listen carefully, everybody. Yeah. Um, no, it's always great having you. And um, for those who are new to the podcast and don't know Jess and I's background, we met years ago now. And we were both starting our businesses. So Jess was launching Collabosaurus and I was launching Startup Creative and pretty quickly got along and realized we were, you know, in the same um, kind of field and working with the same kind of people and and both just women in business looking to make a dream reality and kind of stuck by each other since. Yeah, I was actually had a memory come up on um, like Instagram or Facebook the other day and I was like six years ago or something. And you oh, were in the yeah, collabo yeah. car. <laughs> we were heading somewhere. <laughs> I saw that that died. I, no, it didn't die. The collabo car was okay. We just sold the collabo car. It was time oh. to get a newer, a newer model. But I don't have any branding on my car anymore, which is kind of liberating because if I make a mistake on the road, no one knows <laughs> it's me. But then at the same time, I, I very much miss my little Suzuki Swift. I mean, I actually just as a little side note while we're here, I've always been intrigued by people putting branding on their cars, more so just like, you know, trucks or or um, even like electricians and stuff like that. I, I've always thought that it's such a big risk because if you, even if it's an absolute mistake and it wasn't intentional, if you do something that can piss somebody off on the road, like the first thing you look for is like, what, who can I blame? And you're going to look for the branding and logo, right? (laughs) Totally. However, I will say this with the old Collabo car, which is that was a black Suzuki Swift with massive Collabosaurus logo on the side and back and everything like that. We got more clients from that than we got complaints. I don't think I ever, no one ever reached out saying like, you know, you are a terrible driver. <laughs> You're a horrible driver. <laughs> but we had so many people say, I saw the car and it reminded me to sign up and stuff like that. And over the years, it's definitely been a really effective marketing strategy that's just kind of like always there, particularly in the local area. I mean, it depends what um, what kind of business you're running, but um, I found yeah. it really effective, surprisingly so. <laughs> And a great tax deduction. Exactly. <laughs> Hot tips out there, people. If you put signage in your car or your clothes, then you get to claim it on tax. Yeah. Um, anyway, off <laughs> That topic. was the key We're reason to, to do it in the first place. Yeah, I've always, people have always, I mean, I don't have a car and I have a record of being a bad driver at times. I feel like I've gotten better. <laughs> So it's probably not conducive to growing my professional brand. Stick to merch then. Get some clothes yeah. done. Get some hoodies done. Yeah. Um, awesome. Let's get to the topic, okay? We, um, Let's Jess do it. is an absolute queen at collaborating to the point where she has built a business around um, helping brands collaborate. And what I love about Jess is, you know, six years ago, I think, you know, we were both kind of starting out and it was nowhere near as trending, I think. And you Mm. you definitely picked the trend and started to really 
see the potential in collaborations that, you know, it's kind of human nature, but really hone it in for like business benefit and a marketing strategy. And as a result, have built an epic platform and a um, portal and expert status around, yeah, nailing <laughs> collaborations. Thanks. I try. <laughs> <laughs> it's worked. Good call on that on the business model. Thank um, you. But so, what I wanted to do today, and why I have Jess on, is because as a business coach, which I'm not doing as much of anymore, I am probably most. Um, sessions I work with people around collaborating and you know why they should be doing it sharing my experience of doing it and making it work you know educating people around how it's so effective and then also executing it correctly and I guess like um, elegantly is the word I want to say and (laughs) so I'm really keen to um, as I won't be teaching that one-on-one with people anymore is to have this here on the podcast as a resource so anyone who maybe isn't totally convinced or understanding what collaborations are and how they can benefit their business then this is going to be your masterclass and keep coming back to it and reminding yourself and Jess is going to teach us you know what what they are and how they work and how they benefit your business we're going to share some examples of um, good ones and um, that Jess has seen on both large scales and smaller scales, how to execute. We're going to give you a little step-by-step what not to do and then we're going to finish up with some pitching tips and then how to use the Collabasaurus platform to fast-track some of this stuff. Sounds good. Sounds like a big podcast episode. <laughs> All right. <laughs> We've got a lot to we get should, through. <laughs> we should probably stop talking shit. Um, okay. <laughs> Let's begin. How does a collabus uh, collabosaurus? How does a collaboration help your business? How can I use it to help my business? Yeah, good question. And I think you I mean you can use collaborations in so many different ways to achieve or hit a number of different marketing goals. I mean, as part of this session today, I'd love it to be, I mean, it sounds like the structure that Kay's put forward is um, awesome and super similar to the Partnerships Masterclass course, which we're running over eight weeks. So this is like a mini version of that eight-week masterclass. Um, Mm. But if anyone's interested in that masterclass, that's live at the moment. But in terms of how um, it can help you grow your business, I mean, at the end of the day, if no one knows about your business, it's really hard to grow. <laughs> so collaboration marketing for me helps businesses get in front of their ideal customer in a really cost-effective way. It's one of the most powerful cost-effective strategies you can use to grow your business. And it's all about brands teaming up and working together for mutual benefit to help each other grow. So a couple of key ways you can use uh, collaboration marketing is to get in front of your ideal customer, whether that be on, you know, multiple channels or in a particular um, targeted way, like an event. You can use collaborations to grow your network. That's a really fantastic byproduct of collaboration marketing. I mean, I'm pretty sure you and IK met initially through collab and then (laughs) that's blossomed into, Mm. you know, a friendship and and many, many, many more um, collaborations after that. 
You can also use um, brand collaborations to boost engagement and do something new and keep your audience really interested. You can use collaborations to generate buzz around your brand, attract media attention, and you can also use collaborations to shift perceptions around your brand. I mean, aligning with a large recognizable brand, for example, might help you establish credibility in the market. So, I mean, we had a really great um, partnership with Microsoft last year and that was an alignment collaboration, you know, for us that really helped people shift perceptions around our brand and, you know, it helped us gain a hell of a lot of credibility by aligning with a business as large as Microsoft. I know and you have too. We've both collabed with yeah. Microsoft. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it, I mean it definitely gives credibility, right, because it's a recognisable brand and um, mm. people want to um, you know, obviously go, oh, all right, cool. Like if Microsoft are taking Startup Creative and Clavisaurus seriously, then maybe, you know, they've got something to say. Um, but I really like that point that you talk about in terms of like the variety of ways that a collabor- collaboration can really help a business because I think, and I'm sure we'll get into this when we're setting them up, but I think I'll, just for those listening at home and and thinking about, you know, the first thing that you probably should do is go like, well, okay, what does my business actually need? Does it need just exposure and and whatever? And I think being really cautious not to jump straight to like, I need money, you know, and or business or sales um, because sometimes, you know, and I'm sure this is where your um, business mastery course is going to come in is that you can really like identify the needs of your business first and foremost. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think always my biggest tip for getting started with brand collaborations is to start with a goal. I think so many businesses really want to start with that creative idea, you know, oh, what would it look like? And how would this work for me? And it's like, no, no, scale it back and actually understand first what you want to achieve out of a collaboration, because then a collaboration, who you partner with, how it's executed is going to be dictated by that original goal. So for example, Mm. if you know that the majority of your sales um, from a marketing standpoint come from your email list, then growing your email list is a priority. And so you want to be, you know, looking at collaboration marketing as a strategy that can help you achieve email list growth, for example. Mm. Or if it's, you know, you want to put bums on seats at an event and you're like, how am I going to sell tickets to this event, get people in the room, increase engagement, stuff like that, then that is your goal that you go into a collaboration sort of mindset with because then who you choose to collaborate with, um, the actual creative idea and the negotiation tactics and everything like that that goes around all of this, um, no matter what will actually help you achieve that original marketing strategy. And I mean, I often liken it to, you know, you wouldn't spend $500 on Facebook advertising with zero goal, you know, like imagine setting up Mm. an ad campaign and it's like well what do you want to achieve and it's like I don't know I just want to do Facebook ads because it's cool it's like no (laughs) collaborations are the same it's just like an advertising or marketing strategy except that you're investing time more often than not and existing assets that you have in your business that are currencies other than cash so you're still investing um, and you wouldn't do that just because it's cool or it's it's something that you think you should be doing you should be doing it around tying it back to a strategy and a goal. Mm, I love that. And I think there's two other really important tips that come out of that is that 
understanding who your target market is and where are they spending their time. And I did this as an Instagram live the other day. And that's almost like, you know, where you want to start and what are they, because I think business, like growing your business is a formula game, right? It's like, you kind of get in the game, you test your business model, you kind of validate that people are willing to spend money on it. Maybe you make some sales, you make refine your business concept a little bit. And then your um and then your job is to get out and increase the number of people who are coming into to or know about your business so then you can sit down and make that list and be like okay if my target market aren't here following me then where are they following and who are they trusting and that's where you can kind of start with understanding you know the kind of collaborations that you might be wanting to do and i think there's just one other point that i stands out for me is that your target market um, uh, understanding more of their needs as well. So I don't know if you agree with this, Jess, but like, you know, on some levels, well, I mean, you and I both teach aspects of business, but then we're also showcasing, you know, where we get our coffee in the morning or, you know, what tech we're using and things like that. Um, So it actually means that you can build more trust with your target market by who you choose to collaborate with because, you're not putting junk in front of them or the bet you're actually opening like um making like a brand alignment that is like oh this person really gets my vibe and what I what I need mm. and i think collaboration um is so effective when you go into a collaboration and come up with an idea that actually has your ideal customer's you know value in mind so um yeah, I mean, understanding the goal of your collaboration, your target market, they're definitely super important and where your target market's hanging out and what's valuable to them. What do they like? What do they engage with? You know, how can you then add value? And maybe sometimes, you know, a collaboration is the perfect way to add value because not only are you bringing in um, another partner that can bring a whole set of skill sets, but also a whole set of additional channels and promotional opportunities that you can bring as well. So um, I think really what that comes down to is target market again and making sure that, you know, you're adding value to them and um, not just Mm. collaborating for collaboration's sake. I think there's so many different types of collaborations you can do. You can do social media competitions. You can do content collaborations. You can do experiential collaborations. You can do limited edition product collaborations. Um, It's really endless what you can do with it. And I think yeah, starting with your target market in mind and your business's broader marketing goals are like a foolproof way to get collaborations right from the get-go. I was just thinking then I was like, this podcast could be like a drinking game with like every time you hear the word collaboration. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you're already drunk, like we're 10 minutes in. I um, know. I, I, well, I mean, I'm pretty sure it's just it's just a tick for me. It's like a nervous tick, I'll say the word collaboration. <laughs> it's such a tongue-tie word too. Okay, awesome. So that's how they work and that's how they can help your business. So let's get into some examples of maybe some big scales because I think it's, you know, it's really not. I love personally following your Instagram, Jess, at at Collabosaurus and showcasing like I think one, you know, which kind of sparked the idea for this um, conversation was I love that you see collaborations everywhere and you're always documenting them and, and showcasing how they're working and, you know, whether it's 
you know, taking a photo of a newspaper article or seeing something in real life or, or something that you have even been a part of. Um, and it, it inspires me all the time seeing you highlight how much they're working awesome. because I think sometimes it can be so unconscious that we're just like, oh, yeah, my two favourite brands are, are producing this. And yeah. you don't realise that that's actually a really smart marketing tactic that you can also use. Yeah, once you actually break it down, it's super fascinating and it's all about, you know, clever alignments and clever leverage um, with brand collaborations that can hit their um, mutual target markets in so many different ways. And I've definitely got some examples here, but I had two new girls start in the office this week and both of them have said to me, oh my gosh, as soon as I got this job, I started seeing collaborations everywhere because the moment you start turning your awareness onto it they really are flipping everywhere and every year I plan on doing a shop the collab like vlog on YouTube because I want to around Christmas time go around like the mall and showcase you know there's easily 30 40 collaborations particularly yeah. around Christmas um but yeah maybe you next could do year. a pop-up shop Oh, I know. That's been that's been in the. It's only because of COVID we didn't get to do that this year. But yeah, awesome. I um I would so love to do that for sure. Definitely. Um. So let's jump into some examples of like I, I'm. I love big brands that do it. You know, and I think that's a really good sign that this is such an effective strategy that mm. it, like and, and it's not something that you do once like I personally do it myself and I know Jess you'd be the same and I'm doing and I'm advising my clients like my pretty much rule of thumb is once a month how else can I get in front of a target market that don't yet know about me exactly. and I've got a big running list I've got about five pages of potential places to be pitching and I'm all, and then I've got my, you know, regulars that I work with, whether it's General Assembly or Microsoft or even Jess, like this podcast episode. <laughs> um, but also then constantly going out in front of, um, getting in front of new target markets and bringing mm. something of value. So it's it's a ongoing strategy. You don't just like do it once and go, that was great. Yes. I think that's a really common misconception because I think businesses will see these large brand collaborations and assume that partnerships are something that happens like as a one-off thing, you know, maybe once a year and that's great. But it's like, no, they can happen at a micro scale as well and, you know, slowly bit by bit help you grow that audience of yours and reach new people in a really high value engaging way. Um, They can be so flipping so, so effective on a large scale and a small scale. So there's heaps of different ways you can do it. And I actually think the one a month rule of thumb is is a, is doable. It's definitely doable mm. for small businesses. Yeah. And it's um it doesn't, I think it's just because you see big brands doing really great ones, it, you don't necessarily have to go straight to that level. Like that doesn't define a collaboration. Like, you know, I think just when we started out, we were, I don't know, maybe like a couple of thousand Instagram followers in, you know, and yeah, we were surrounded by, you know, a bunch of other creative people who were working in this space and starting businesses. And, you know, we collaborated as peers, you know, rather than trying to leverage somebody else. Like we're always leveraging each other's or supporting each other's businesses and audiences. But um it's yeah, it's not, you know, and over the years, obviously, we've gone to on much bigger scales. But yeah, it does it. You, you can, it's really helpful to just start with like-minded people who 
similar objectives to you as well. Yeah, and similar target market. I mean, those, you know, maybe we had, I don't know, 2,000 followers each, but those followers were um, of a similar demographic. They were both interested uh, in business, in marketing, in growing, all that kind of stuff. So any cross-promotion that we did was really valuable for both of our audiences because we were collaborating to add value, I think. Mm. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, cool. So you have some great examples for us? I what do. What was the Frozen one? I need to hear about that. Oh, that was awesome. So Disney's Frozen, the musical, are a client of ours at Collabosaurus and they tied, like, teed up a bunch of different collaborations through the platform to help um, boost buzz and engagement around the premiere and release of Frozen, the musical in Sydney, which I went to go see and it was flipping fantastic. Everyone who's in Sydney and available to go watch it definitely do. It's fantastic. But they teamed up with brands like Cork and Canvas for a themed paint and sip session where you know you could go and paint Elsa so any Disney fans like absolutely loved that one they teamed up with Koi Dessert Bar to do a frozen themed dessert menu over the course of a couple of months which was so powerful and absolutely beautiful they just create the were most these stunning outside desserts. of um, the theater so these were like in the lead up to the show Yes, and during the promotion of it all. So they were able to get a bunch of media reach off the back of it, which was so fantastic. They got a lot of social media shares and engagement from people who were going to see the show or who have just seen the show and went to go get dessert afterwards, for example. But yeah, there there were a bunch of collaborations. There's actually still some on the way that have been secured through Collabosaurus, but I'm not sure if I can talk about them yet I think with COVID the whole premiere was delayed initially so it was actually supposed to be earlier this year but it's only been super recent that um that premiere happened and so many collabs came to life it was great to see Mm, yeah but I mean I've got a couple of yeah I've got like large ones and small ones do you want to start with some large ones for big inspo big inspo and then let's keep it relatable Sure. Well, I mean, I think one of my absolute favorites of all time that I have seen is the Spotify and Shani Nicholas Cosmic Playlist collab. That is so clever. So Shani Nicholas is an astrologer. Spotify is the music platform. They teamed up to create playlists based on your star sign that are updated every single week and they're still available. So people absolutely loved that because there was that personalized experience that was shareable um, and really fun. And the cross promotion was super powerful between both of those brands. So I love that as an example, that's not necessarily, you know, just tied to Instagram. It was all about creating an experience that was an online experience that was highly engaging And then Mm. I absolutely love every Christmas Mecca have a longstanding partnership with the National Gallery of Victoria and they release a limited edition like packaging that features a hero artist that the National Gallery of Victoria work with um, to kind of highlight and showcase. And the packaging every year is this like stunning limited edition thing that just gets so much buzz and they leverage it through in-store um signage and activations and stuff like that as well as the beautiful stunning packaging that everyone loves so I think that's a really great example artist collabs are I reckon my prediction for 2021 is they're going to be the hot thing that (laughs) brands should be jumping onto and Mecca have just been doing it for years so that's a really great example um Mm. what else have I got I mean there's did you see the Bumble and Babe wine 
collaboration out of COVID. No. So <laughs> they teamed up with a, as a bit of a sort of buzz creation collaboration and it was all about supporting pandemic breakups so anyone who's had to break up during the pandemic basically Bumble and Babe Wine teamed up to cover the cost of the removalist that was like this branded removals truck um that went to you know the ex's house to pick up your stuff for you. oh my god <laughs> and it was so clever like and it just got so much hype and buzz around it I have no idea what the stats were of who actually used it but I think that was a clever play in terms of like how can we be creative and be topical and newsworthy and fun you know and also hit our target mark target market with that collab so that was a really great example and then that's a great one So we've got kind of a product collab with Mecca and the National Gallery of Victoria, an online experience collaboration with Spotify, Shiny Nicholas, a PR-based collaboration with Bumble and Babe Wine. And then, you know, limited edition products are just probably what people's minds actually first go to when they think of brand collaboration. So Tim Tam and Gelato Messina teaming up on a limited edition range of flavors is a great example of that. Or Jumbled Online and Robert Gordon Ceramics, they teamed up on a dinnerware set that was like limited edition and released that. Um, So there's heaps of product limited edition based um, collabs Mm. as examples there too. But I mean, I could... I could rattle off examples for it. <laughs> you know what I like about it? And just, you know, I think maybe you'll get into this and maybe if those who really want to dive into this stuff, because I find it fascinating and I'm sure this is what Jess will teach in her ongoing course. But um, the whole idea around like a collaboration when done well, isn't it, it has like so many different um, effects to it, right? Mm. I actually remember years ago a friend being like he was opening a cafe and was like, oh, you know, what should I do? And I'll, I was like, what What about the cafe is Instagrammable? You know, I think it was a restaurant actually and it's like, you know, is it the neon light that everyone gets the photo of or whatever? <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's, you know, like the um, Shani's playlist, you are going to share that, you know, and be like because yeah. I've definitely got the Capricorn one and it's so on point. It's all about work <laughs> and like hustling. <laughs> But I'm like, yes, this is me. <laughs> so you want to share that, right? Because it's a reflection of you. And then, yeah, the shareability um, thing is massive. And I mean, collaborations yeah. are a great avenue to create something that's shareable and also limited edition if you're finding that you need to freshen things up or do something a little bit differently. Yeah, rather than having to commit to a whole new line of things, you know, like, oh, we're going to, you know, Gelato Messina instead of, going oh we need new flavors it's like they can actually do these and they they do it quite often don't they oh gelato um, messina are just kings of collabs they do a million and one every year there's actually a really good do you know rollers croissants in manly yeah yeah um i'm obsessed my favorite place it's a croissant <laughs> bar for everyone listening um they teamed up with the daily edited around christmas um and just did a like mini christmas pop-up where they leveraged it with all of these different touch points. So they teamed up and collaborated on like this limited flavor croissant that was this like raspberry coolie incredible thing that the first hundred people to the pop-up, which was hosted at the Rollers um, Bakehouse store in Manly, first hundred people there in the morning got a free, that free croissant. Um, so it drove foot traffic, which I thought was really interesting. And they also did this like limited edition 
type Christmas market thing where they were there for um, one weekend only and they were monogramming all of these diaries and like purses and everything like that um, on the spot over the weekend. So that was kind of like a really beautiful experiential experience-based thing that was leveraged in, had multiple touch points, like you said. So there was like a product element Mm. to it. There was a shareable element to it. The whole setup of that pop pop was super, super shareable. Um, It was engaging, but it was also really localized. Like while it had huge social media ripple effects, it was for the local community really. So um, I thought that was really powerful. And that's a good example of sort of two um, smaller businesses that are absolutely killing it, that have teamed up and really leveraged it in multiple different ways. Yeah, and I think that's a great point is like there's a, a few things that come out of that for me. It's like there is lots in um, to be said about keeping it short term as well. Like it doesn't mm. need to be this big, long, forever drawn out. Like sometimes keeping it short, fast and and giving it lots of energy and really thinking out every touch point of, you know, what are people going to take a photo of? Do you need a hashtag? You know, do you, uh, is there press involved? Like mm. really doing it well and executing it and keeping it short and sweet because that also creates urgency. I was just about to say that. It's got that urgency element and FOMO element to it, which, you know, if Rollers Bakehouse decided to stock the daily edited long term, that's a completely different play than that uh, like limited edition one weekend only pop-up collaboration that had that FOMO to it, that had the buzz around it and the urgency as well, which really does drive people to act and to buy. (laughs) I think urgency is one of those things a lot of um, businesses sort of ignore and take for granted when really that can be the difference with driving sales for you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a really good book called Influence, which is all about um, human behaviour and buying and, and how deeply innate it is in us. Actually, another really good book that I'm reading at the moment, which you would love, Jess, is um, Never Split the Difference. Oh, I've got to read that. I've been told by a few people to read that. It is so good. It is like a game changer. So Chris Voss was a ex-FBI negotiator for terrorists and hostages. Mm -hmm. And he now teaches his negotiation skills to businesses, but he's. I watched his masterclass on masterclass, and then I was like, I need this book, and um, just so simple and easy to implement. And it's um, it really it it just pretty much goes to show that um, so much of our behavior as humans is actually just hardwired, and yeah, really understand that, then you can manipulate it yeah yeah there's a there's a podcast episode I did on stop collaborate and listen which um is called it's like what makes people share or something I can't remember the exact title but it was a summary of like the seven psychological human behavior things that like make people share something anything and it was based off a book I think it was called Contagion by Jonah Berger but um really really good worth listening to or um having a read of the entire book because I find that whole human behavior thing so fascinating and marketing user experience design all of that stuff has a lot to do with playing into that hardwired human behavior Mm -hmm. for sure. And I think back to our point that we made at the beginning of this episode is like starting with your target market yeah you know, this human behavior stuff, yes, people use it to manipulate, you know, sales, 
in a scarcity way that can be very damaging and Mm -hmm. like you know exploiting of humans but I guess where where I use it in my business and in just for myself is a I'm intrigued by it but also b it's like really understanding the needs of your target market and what their experience of life is and what motivates them and drives them and and what their values are and how would you know maybe what is their past experience been and how is that going to inform the decisions they make next and all of that information is just understanding humans right and rather mm-hmm. than running a business from a place of i have this thing and i want to sell it and i want everyone to come and buy it so here's my pop-up store and everybody's going to come you know <laughs> but if you actually flip it on on the side and go actually you know, I've got this thing that's really going to help you and it's going to be of value and I know that you like to have fun when you're experiencing it, so come down to the store and we're going to have great music playing and you can have a glass of wine and whatever, you know. I'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> that's your pop-up I was giving you. <laughs> I'll come to your pop-up. I'll do, I'll, um, I'll bring the wine. Love it. Um, also, was there any other smaller examples, maybe even brands that we don't know of or like just like little wins that have come out of your Collabosaurus platform? Yeah, I mean, I think there's, you know, so many examples of small brands teaming up with other small brands, but also smaller brands with bigger brands. That Frozen the Musical and Cork and Canvas is a great example of a smaller business and a large um, business teaming up and really working together to help each other it was definitely win-win I mean for a collaboration to be successful it has to be win-win on both sides otherwise it just doesn't work but for smaller collabs I would definitely recommend checking out our case study section on the blog on collabosaurus.com slash blog Um, one I'll pull out today is sourced styling um, studio and the small business community teamed up and they this was super target market based so they both looked at who they wanted to Um, get in front of and what their existing audiences looked like and sourced styling studio she does beautiful product photography and styling for product-based businesses so yeah so yeah I know she's amazing so she's like that's her target market you know and the small business community is exactly the same I mean really she's building this marketplace um, and support network for Uh, small businesses, but particularly product-based businesses. So that aligned super well. They teamed up and they ran an Instagram competition collaboration where um, they were giving away uh, like 10 product images from Source Styling Studio. So really the value exchange there is the Source Styling Studio brought um, you know, her skill set and her um, service to the table and small business community brought the huge reach that they have um, through that platform and they really worked together to help each other. And it just went nuts. It had such high engagement because it added value to their target market. You know, product-based businesses, of course, wanted beautifully styled images of their products for free. So it um, generated so much engagement and so many entries that was so exciting to see. So, I mean, that's just an example, but there are so many. Um, Go check out the blog for some more. You know what I like about that example, and I've just recently done some coaching and been becoming good friends with Soph, who's an absolute legend, but she is so... um, intentional and smart and generous in how that she you know and for her she is a photographer and a stylist and I hired her to do some work actually and then she did some giveaways for our first aid kit launch as well 
but um, she's not afraid to, like, she will go above and beyond and deliver such high quality and making sure that you're so happy. Um, but she's, I think what I like about her, she's so easy to work with and then just smart with how she delivers, you know, even like delivering and giving me that really great experience meant that I wanted to really share her work with more of my clients that I've sent to her and and um, here we and are. And yeah. <laughs> and here we are talking about how awesome she is. So everyone's got to go check out Source Styling Studio. She's amazing. Yeah. Tell Sophie we said hi. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Great examples. So let's um, let's quickly fire through how we're going to execute. I don't know. Do you, do you have some notes there on like whether there's three to five step by step, boom, 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 here's what you're going to do. Yeah, well, we've kind of covered off the first early little bit, which is sort of understand your target market. Who is it that you want to go after? And a really great exercise is sort of um, breaking down where they're hanging out, what they like to do, what is going to be valuable to them. Then understand your business and marketing goals because any collaboration um, that you do should be working to help you achieve a goal strategically. Um, And then I would look at, you know, before reaching out or doing any sort of pitching, I would sit down and have a look at what you could bring to the table because brand collaborations are all about a value exchange, leveraging currencies other than cash. So what do you have to bring to the table? What are your currencies other than cash? And get super specific around this. And if you want a prompt on collabosaurus.com, if you go to sign up on page three, it'll ask you um, what can you offer in a collaboration? And there's a drop down of about 35 different things you could potentially offer in a collab. And that could be things from content creation or your skill set or your time, your existing communities, your website platform, you know, copywriting capabilities, your podcast channel, all of those different things you could like put down in bullet point, a bullet point list of all things you could offer in a potential uh, value exchange or collaboration partnership. So that's really important. They'd be my like top three things to get started with. And then from step four, like in terms of how you reach out and all of that kind of stuff, it changes depending on the angle you want to take. So um, if you're going to be doing it manually, that which means without, you know, the support of a platform like Collabosaurus, which is essentially a matchmaking platform for brands. So we do a lot of heavy lifting for you. But if you had a particular collaborator in mind that you're like, I really want to team up with, I don't know, Mecca or something like that. Step four should be coming up with a creative concept that you can pitch forward. And step five would be pitching it forward in a way that doesn't scare them off, that's relationship-based, communicates your value up front in a short and sweet way and opens up the conversation and sparks interest. Whereas if you were going to be using a platform like Collabosaurus, um, step four would be to create a listing and you can get match made up against cool collaboration partners straight away for free that you can preview. And then rather than spending hours on creating a perfect pitch document, you can basically swipe right on anyone that looks interesting. So it cuts out Mm -hmm. that, you know, partner sourcing, the contact sourcing, the pitch that can take ages. You know, if you're new to collaboration marketing, um, you can swipe right and kick off a conversation because you already know what each other are offering, what each other are looking for, and it makes the conversation so much easier because Collabosaurus has done that matchmaking for you. Mm. And I think something that I just realised is so beneficial to Collabosaurus is like 
when you're um, if you're pitching to a brand, then to cold call or to just come in with like, hey, I want this or whatever, or I want to do this, um, is quite detrimental to your success. I think mm-hmm. as a club- collaboration. But if by engaging with a brand, whether it's following them on social media for a little bit or replying to their Twitter or, you know, signing up to their mailing list and really getting your head around what they do and, you know, what kind of other collaborations maybe they're working on or, um, you know, ideas of how they seem to be operating or what they stand for or values that they are living by. Well, I mean, properly align yourself. Yeah, and we've talked about this before. With we we get pitched for being on our podcast and stuff all the time, and it's so obvious that a lot of people have done zero research whatsoever, and it's a copied and pasted email that is all about what's in it for them, (laughs) you know. And it's just like straight away, that's a no, you know, as a cold reach out. Annoys me most about those podcast reach outs. I get them all the time. Sometimes they don't even link to the person that they're trying to pitch. I'm like, how can you be getting this so wrong? Like, I know. I don't, you're not even giving me a link to this person's website or Instagram or LinkedIn page, you know? Like, yeah. And I think that's a really, and I guess that's what Clavisaurus fast tracks for you is that, um, or if you're doing it manually, is um, getting really clear on exactly, you know, being able to personalize your pitch and be like, you know, hey, I, I listened to your episode with Jess from Clavisaurus. It was really good and this is what I got from it and I've been following you on Instagram, you know, and like make me realize that you're a real person mm. um, and then um, giving links and ideas and, you know, real like content that shows that you've thought about something and, you know, you're legit as well. I think yeah. that's really important. So, so important. And there's like a few little techniques you can use to um, help establish credibility without sounding wanky <laughs> um, or yeah. pushy or, you know, too self-focused and keeping keeping the email really short and stuff like that. But, I mean, using a platform like Collabosaurus means that all of the brands you get match made up against from the get-go, you know all of them are interested in a collab. I think if you're reaching out cold to someone, you're guessing. You're doing a lot of, even if you have done a fair bit of research, there's only so much you can gauge from social media and their website and stuff like that before having a conversation, you know, understanding what on their side their marketing goals are and what their partnership strategy is and all that kind of stuff. So you're sort of moving around in the dark a little bit and trying to open a conversation that's based around, well, here's what I can bring to the table and I think I can establish, you know, X, Y, Z based on, you know, what I've seen you know, you do on Instagram or whatever. Mm. Whereas on Collabosaurus, you know, they're interested already. You're, you, they're on the platform because they're looking for collaborators. So, you know, what um, else is one of the downfalls of doing it privately? This is by no means a, obviously, I'm in big support of Jess and everything that she does to make small businesses' life easier. But we didn't set out to sponsor this by Collabosaurus. <laughs> we're just, it's very natural <laughs> to give why it's such a good platform. Um, I can't but stop the talking human- about it. Can't help it. <laughs> We've been doing it for six years. Um, <laughs> the humanness behind it, right? Because if you just get somebody who like is having a bad day or misses the email or you know like doesn't quite concept what you do or you know something like that, then you 
like that and that's who you're pitching to like you don't get the email or the contact for the right person you yeah. could be easily dismissed yeah the decision maker is so important and i think that's really hard particularly with larger brands if you're going after a really big brand collaborator um again you're kind of guessing as to who is managing what within the team you know sometimes there could be 10, 15 people in the marketing department just in the Sydney headquarters and you're guessing as to who's going to actually drive a campaign like this and all of that kind of stuff too. We cover all of that in the masterclass mm. for sure. But, yeah, we really try with Collabasaurus, you know, the the brands that are on there are more often than not the decision maker and if not it's that one person away from the decision maker who feeds in mm. the idea um, and if you quickly. are doing it manually, then I think like doing your research to make sure you're emailing the right person because um, you, yeah, you you want to give yourself that best shot and, you you know, try not to get bounced around too much. And so do your research and, you know, dig a little bit deeper to see who, who you might know or get, you know, always aim to get an intro if you can. Absolutely. Um, use a personal name of the person. If somebody has, you know, maybe you spoke to reception and they said, oh, yeah, you've got it, here's the email for the person to chat to, then, you know, I've always used the strategy of like, oh, I spoke to this person at reception and they passed on your details and yeah. use the name. Mm-hmm. So it shows that you've connected with other members of the team it's not just somehow stumbled across that a very important email address that they're wondering how the hell you got it um yeah (laughs) I think with larger companies as well I had some really great advice from an advisor of mine who works in a huge huge like global company she was saying you know with any large potential client or you know um, any prospect or any potential partner you want to be you know you want to have relationships with six people within um, a company because of turnover people shift departments all sorts of things can happen within a team and it's devastating for particularly a small business if you lose that one contact at that one you know dream (laughs) brand that you want to be working with so you know look to extend those relationships within larger companies if you are able to secure a meeting you know don't be afraid to suggest that Jared from the social media department come along because I think it would be really you know, valuable for him too, for example, um, and try and and widen widen your relationships within that team if you can, because the more you have really can secure your longer term partnership strategy with them. Mm, absolutely. Well, we've kind of transitioned into um, to pitching tips. Is there anything else absolutely stand out that you've you've got of what to do or not to do for pitching? I mean, I think you've covered off a fair bit of things actually already just in terms of like finding their name, get an intro if you can. Um, One of the biggest blunders I see with pitching is um, number one, that copy and pasteable thing, which is just absolutely a no-go. But number two is just that having it too long and self-focused. I mean, if you're reaching out cold to someone you really want to work with and it's like, hi, my name's Jess. I run a company called Collabasaurus. This is how we started. This is what we do. This is who we love to work with. We've achieved all of this kind of stuff. And I'd love to get a coffee with you and chat about, you know, your ideas for collaborating. It's like, oh, if I get, if I get an email like that, I'm straight away just like, whoa, I don't see what's in it for me. It's really long and self-focused. Even just visually, the cue is that it's to, it's hard work just seeing a really long oh big God, email come in. Oh, my God, that is such a good tip yeah. because if I get an email that's really long-winded and there's no bullet points and this could be the Capricorn OCD in me, 
<laughs> but I'm like, get to the point. Get to the point and keep it like visually nice. Like bullet points, don't be afraid to use bullet points or headings or bold things or highlight things, you know, that yeah. can really help in just keeping things succinct and simple. Um, so yeah, that would probably be some sort of some key tips around pitching. There's and just a lot a, to an it. Add on to that <laughs> is that um thinking about who you're pitching to. So obviously like Jess and I are both examples of maybe people who spend a lot of time on our screens and are replying to a lot of emails, spending a lot of time on digital, like on social, replying to comments and things like that. So uh, like for me, I can speak for myself is like my like my um my inbox fills up my dms fill up my comments you know there's i'm phone calls text messages like there's all these different columns of ways that i'm managing all day every day as well as projects that i'm running and clients that i'm coaching and you know whatever else so if you want to think about and which is for me why a really long-winded email is going to instantly shut me off because I'm like I don't even know this person so it's by no means a priority for me because I've got clients waiting to hear from me or my own pictures to send or podcasts Mm -hmm. to record so if I don't recognize your name then you definitely aren't getting a priority on on that list and then if you've given me more work which is I can't get through like that that overwhelm because I'm spending so much time on managing comms so being aware of who you're talking to and what are their needs and what are their, you know, who, what what might their day look like. And I think the second half of your tip there, Jess, was like um, don't leave it open-ended. You can't yeah. say um, what's, uh, can we have a coffee and chat? I'd love to collab. Like for me, I'm like, nah. Like I Absolutely probably just, del- I would just delete that email now. Yeah, same. Like I the time investment, nice. it's too much on my side. Like from my perspective, receiving an email like that, I'm like, well, hang on a second. So this is going to take up an hour of my time. I have to come to this like meeting with a bunch of ideas when I don't know what's in it for me. Like absolutely yeah. not. It, it's too much time investment. And if you're speaking, if you're pitching to someone who's time poor, which is more often than not yeah. the case, you need to keep that in mind. I think in yeah. terms of pitching as well, um, two little final tips that have just popped into my head is um, don't be afraid to follow up. I come from PR and I know that the magic is in the follow-up often it's that like final follow-up that will get you that media story when you kind of feel embarrassed to be following up one last time Um, and the second one is uh, which kind of follows on from the don't leave it open-ended is you can actually create urgency in your pitch email. So, you know, if there's a deadline to it, um, you know, which which can be totally taking into account their lack of time and that they've got stuff on, if you, you know, showcase all of the things that's in it for them in a bullet-pointed way and then finish off the email with, you know, it's a Valentine's Day competition, for example. So we're hoping to finalise partners by, you know, whatever date um hopefully we hear from you before then let me know if you're interested obviously you're our like number one um partner Mm. that we'd love to work with then you know as the receiver of that email I know that I've got until that date if I'm interested in that if that sparks interest I need to get back to them by that date and it also gives the sender the opportunity to follow up around that deadline so it's like hey Mm. you know um we've got four days before we need to like lock in partners Um, to be fair to everyone else, I just want to make sure, you know, if this is of interest or whatever, it just gives you that follow-up opportunity, I think, and creates urgency 
around a yeah. particular collab too. Yeah, that is an absolute game-changing tip. And I would even go one step further and just being like, if like I always assume that it's a yes. I'll be like, you know, if this is <laughs> of um, interest to you, this is the next step. So it's like yes. one, two, three. And then you can say this is what we will be like, what we needed. And then you can even if your pitch is good enough, you almost cut out an email confirming, you know, like mm-hmm. they might just get back to you and say, Cool, please see attached what you need from us. And, you know, we look forward to working with you on this. Yeah, definitely. And that goes back to the making it easy for them. So if you've got yeah. next steps in bullet points, again, that just makes it so much easier for, the, for me having to ask for what are the next steps? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you're absolutely right. It, it cuts, cuts out, out an email. It gets straight to the point. And they can actually look at the next steps and see whether it's viable, you know, like that you're also outlining this is what would be required and they should be, you know, most people will be able to skim through that and be like, yes, that's of interest or I can achieve that or, you know, or not. There's no way we could pull that together. But next time. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Amazing. Well, I think that we have covered quite a lot (laughs) and I'm aware that we've been on here for a long time, but I'm so grateful. And I just, um, let's tell everyone, obviously we've been plugging Collabosaurus throughout the whole platform. And I think if you haven't picked up already, it is a, um, a, a platform where you're able to go and date like in, from a business perspective of <laughs> potential collaborators. Um, and I can honestly say, having watched Jess build this for the last six years, she really does live and breathe it. And there's every inch in her body and her mind and her energy is making sure that this platform is easy to use, that it's beneficial for you as a business, that it's got really great content and collaborators on there, and that it's packed with resources for you to actually get results. So you should be very proud of what you've created, Jess. And I know that I can put my hand on my heart and say, by no means is it a, you know, clickbaity kind of site or anything that is out for their own, like Jess really does have your best interest at heart with everything that she's been through. And if, I'm sure we shared on a previous episode um, how much you have been through to be able to get it to this level that it is today. Yeah, it's been a roller coaster ride, that's for sure. That's that's for another episode's time. <laughs> I feel like we touched on investors and stuff. There's an we old did. episode, maybe yeah. that was this time last year. So yeah. um, go check that out and hear what Jess has endured to make your life easier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's always um, yes. it's an evolving thing. I mean, always working on it. And we were talking um, just before the podcast We've um, been tinkering away at an app for quite a while. So that's about to launch very soon. And it's something I'm so excited because it does simplify and, and makes it even easier. It's just like taking it another step further with that swipe right, swipe left dating app <laughs> analogy. Yeah. We're taking that to the next level. Amazing. Congratulations, Jess. And thank you for sharing in such incredible detail everything that people need to get collaborations sorted in their business. No worries. Thanks so much for having me. Pleasure. Have a good day.
Thank you so much for tuning into the Startup Creative Podcast. If you get a chance, head to iTunes and leave a rating and review. And don't forget to hit subscribe so you get notified every time there's a new podcast up. See you next week.